like a little salt rock too. Yeah, the, you know, they say it purifies the room and everything. I don't know about that. Maybe it does, but I just like the color of the light. I like the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Kelsey Kohler. Great the, to be here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we go way back and I knew you had a really interesting story and you're doing awesome things around the city. So you're a natural guest to come on the podcast. So what's been up with you? Well, lately, um, we have started working with a couple veteran nonprofits. And what we're doing is we're helping service the veterans as they come out of retirement. And they need things like hormone replacement, their cortisol levels are all over the place, blood sugar. So we've been working with them to help facilitate their treatment after retirement. And when you say we? So me and then my dad is actually our MD on staff. So he's a veteran himself. He served in the Navy. He was a commander. And he was actually a primary care physician for the military for about 10 or 11 years. Then he went and did his practice in dermatology. And I actually was helping him through some of like his hormonal issues as he got older. And then he's like, oh, this is so interesting. And he like started learning about functional medicine. And then, you know, he took a couple courses through IFM as far as like hormone replacement therapy goes. And now it's what we do. We have a license in, I think, 13 states now. So he crossed over to the dark side. He did. Or came from the dark side. I yes. Guess. And he's like, oh my gosh, I get to actually help people. This is great. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's a lot more fun. Yeah. So for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I have my undergrad degree in dietetics and my functional medicine master's degree. And so what I do is I help clients identify the root cause as to why they're experiencing symptoms or having trouble losing weight or having gut problems using lab testing. So primarily like blood tests, but we also do like stool testing so we can look at their gut health. I do DNA testing, epigenetics, so we can actually see how they're aging. So we can look at like your biological age versus your chronological age and then help you I guess a lot of people call it biohack, where you look at like their diet, their supplements, their lifestyle, and help them achieve their results through those modalities too. I like the term biohacking. The first place I ever heard about biohacking was the Ben Greenfield podcast. Yep. He, he might have been the first podcast I ever started listening to regularly, probably 10 years ago. You crossed paths with him at some point, didn't you? Yeah, I've met him a couple times at a few conferences. He was my like initiation into functional medicine and the biohacking world too. I think I found him on YouTube or something. I like his podcast, how he talks like he talks in a <laughs> microphone really soft like this and with a deep voice. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to listen to. I like it. Yeah, and I love that he tries all these things on himself before he promotes them. That's why I always respected him. I'm like, well, I mean, he tried it first before he tried to say it was great. So, 100%. Have you done any experimentation on yourself as far as things you recommend for your patients? Oh, yeah. Just about everything aside from hormones and medications I've tried, whether it's supplements, different diets. You know, I started out in functional medicine like right after I had Ainsley. And then I was doing like the Weston A. Price diet. So like very kind of like fermented foods, heavy fat and protein. Raw like dairy. All, you know, raw dairy. I was getting the dairy from the Amish people and making my own kefir and sauerkraut. And I was like sprouting the bread and making my own flour. I was a very big hippie. I guess I still am a little bit. But yeah, I've tried just about everything. I've tried CJC and Ipamorelin, the growth hormone peptide. That I'm not just, familiar with that. What is that? So it's a growth hormone anagog. I actually tried it like back in... 17 or 2018 and you just do like a subcutaneous injection and it helps stimulate growth hormone which is like the longevity hormone a lot of people consider it 
And it helps with like recovery, sleep, you know, maintaining muscle mass, maybe metabolism to some degree. But I didn't take it very long. I did like an eight-week trial of it. And I was young, so I don't think it really did a whole lot for me. I think it works better in people that are maybe older than like 40 that maybe have a lesser production of growth hormone. It did make me sleep really well, though. Yeah, you can basically kind of turn back the hands of time and decrease mm-hmm. your biological age. Yeah. Can't decrease the chronological age. Right. But you can definitely change the way you feel. So you got started with ProFit, what? That was 2020, right, during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did that happen because, you know, patients were less willing to come into offices and going online made more sense at that point? It was kind of like a forced thing, really, because I had multiple contracting jobs. Like I was working for Bajos Koulian out of um, California, helping with like some supplement stuff. I was writing content. I worked for functional diagnostic nutrition for a little bit at that time. So I had like three jobs. And then the pandemic hit and nobody like I just lost all of them at once. And so it was kind of like a forced thing where I was like, all right, well, I've been doing ProFit on the side. I hadn't really marketed it a whole lot. I was just kind of taking clients to help people. And then I was like, all right, now it's time to do this. And so that's kind of what started it. I was working for Alexander Shannara at the time, too, just like helping him around the office as an administrative assistant. And he was a big part of pushing me out the door and being like, you really need to do this. You know, yeah. I think you can. I love him. He's so great. He's so cool. Yeah. You know, TJ. Mm-hmm. I, had lunch I know with TJ him really well. Yeah. TJ's like a brother. <laughs> He's awesome. Everyone that works with or for Alex, they unanimously speak highly of him. Yeah. I mean, he's just such an amazing mentor. He's a good friend. He cares a lot about like the people in his office and the people that he's around. I mean, he's a great person. I just want to let you know something about Discover Birmingham's partner, Dr. Chase Horton Real Estate with EXP Realty. That's right. I'm talking about my business. Are you or someone you know considering buying or selling a home within the next six months? If so, let's chat. With their permission, simply send me their name and number and I'll reach out to talk about the best way to achieve their real estate goal. Whether they're a first-time home buyer or they're selling a home they've cherished for 30 years, I've got them covered. Simply text HOME to 205-213-9720. That's HOME. H-O-M-E to 205-213-9720. More cash, more capital, and new customers for your business. That's where Moxie comes in. Moxie Birmingham is a growing community of small businesses helping one another thrive. As a Moxie member, you earn more revenue from brand new customers not spend your hard-earned revenue on various expenses, and even get a no-interest, no-payment line of credit, all within the Moxie network. As a Moxie member myself, I can tell you that I choose to support other businesses that also accept Moxie. In fact, I've discovered some of my very favorite restaurants, healthcare practitioners, and home and auto service businesses through Moxie. I'm talking Soho Social, Heavenly Donuts, Nothing But Cakes, just to name a few. Go to moxiebirmingham.com, that's M-O-X-E-Y-B-H-A-M dot com to learn more. Moxie, it's the smarter way to barter. All right, now let's jump back into today's episode of the Discover Birmingham podcast and highlight the best parts of our awesome city. What 
what were you doing before you went into the healthcare field? So before, ooh, I guess I've been in the healthcare field probably since college. I did dietetics work at a gym when I first got out of college. And then while I was in Memphis, I met a religious group and actually got into a religious cult. So that was basically I met them on campus and I was religious at the time. I was Christian and I was like, okay, well, they're telling me that if I'm really a Christian, like I should follow these Bible verses that say like you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't partake in the things of the world. And that included the movies and the music and all that stuff. And I was like, well, that makes sense logically in my brain. And then these guys could like spit back Bible verses and like argue with you. And I'm like, you know, you're more intellectual than most people that I've heard with the Bible. And so it's a lot like um, basic training in the military. They kind of like get you in, they make you fast, they make you pray, they kind of remove you from your family and your friends, and they break you down psychologically. So they actually get you in that form of brainwaves where you're super easy to manipulate. Mm-hmm. And How do I mean, they do that? It's from stress, you know, stress, not eating, not sleeping, um, just kind of bombarding you 24-7 with like guilt. A lot of it's guilt and shame. There's a... I don't know if it's Netflix or Amazon, but it's called Shiny Happy People. It's the Duggar documentary. Yeah. Katie and I started watching that last week. Yeah. So as you were talking about it, I was like, this sounds a lot like what they were mm-hmm. doing, like Christian fundamentalist kind of thing. It's exactly like that. Like really? I went to some of those conferences. And so they teach that like as a single woman, like your covering is the eldest man in the church and not like your father because your father isn't a Christian in their eyes. Covering? Like a covering, like um, have you seen that umbrella on the Duggar show yet? Mm-mm. Okay, so they have like, it's basically like an order of authority. So like God's at the top, then if you're married, it's the husband, then the wife and the kids. If you're not married, then it's like your father and the elders of the church, and then eventually when you get married, it's your husband. But they kind of like bring you in as a single woman, and they're like, well, we're your authority as the elders of the church now because your family isn't saved, and so we're the authorities. And I was in that group for like a really short period of time. I actually moved to Dallas, and I was in Dallas for like a month or two working at like Fresh Market and finishing my degree, my bachelor's at the time. And they just like got progressively more controlling. First, it was like, just don't go to the movies, don't watch TV, like whatever. And then it became like, you can't wear skirts. And everything I would wear was like sinful because that's just my body type, I guess. So they would be like, you can't wear tight clothes. You can't wear pants. You can't wear makeup. And it just got like a little bit more. So I just started hiding from them that I was wearing jeans to work and all that kind of stuff and just changing before they saw me. So what they wanted you to wear, like a flowy dress Yeah, or just like the Duggar girls do, okay, like yeah. the longer skirts and the like flowier tops and stuff. I didn't like that very much. I'm not a very good person that listens to like rules i guess yeah you don't you don't want to be bossed around yeah the same that's, i guess that's a gemini thing we yeah talked it's, about. <laughs> it's the gemini thing for sure and so you know they started to take more influence in my life and i was impressionable i was only in college you know then they introduced me to my husband or soon to be husband at that point he's my ex-husband now but it was like an arranged marriage situation where they're like we're the elders of the church like god has told us this is who you're supposed to marry like you have to go marry him And so he lived in South Africa and I'd never met him. So we like zoomed a couple times and then I went to South Africa. He must have been pretty photogenic. I mean, he was a rugby player, like, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) I was young and like Africa sounded fun. And it was like, 
at the time, like they believed you could lose salvation. I think they still believe that, but they believed if you disobeyed God, you could lose your salvation and God could at any time deem you like you'll never be a Christian. Mm. You'll go to hell. And so I was under the assumption that like, okay, well, these elders told me that this is who I'm supposed to marry. Like, I'm going to go to Africa and meet him at least and see what happens. And then, you know, we got there and he said a month later, like, well, I know it's God's will for me to marry you. And I was like, well, okay, like now these two authority figures that they've been teaching me are my leaders have said the same thing. So it's like confirmed by God kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, my family was all against it. Like none of them were at the wedding because it was in Africa. And we got married. I was there for almost a year in Africa, living in South Africa, outside of Durban and then Cape Town for some of it. And um, we lived there, got the visa, came back. And shortly after we got back, I got pregnant with Ainsley. Wait, hold on. So was that part of their game plan is to get Mm -hmm. this guy married to an American so that he could get a visa? I think so. I was, I was, that's a question I wanted to ask you is like, what's their end game? You know, like, what's the point of manipulating people? What's their big goal? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say because like what they do is they bring people in. Like my best friend from college also went and she was a pre-med student. So it's not like any of these people were not intelligent. You know, she was pre-med. There was another guy in there that was doctor. They brought us in and like what they do is, as you join the cult, like everything you own is everyone's. And so I didn't have anything, so it didn't really matter. But, like, there'd be families that would come in with, like, four or five kids, and the dad would have a business and a good amount of money, and all the money would then go into the church pile. So it had commune vibes? Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. And, like, when I lived there, it wasn't really like that because it wasn't very big. Like, I just lived in a house with three other girls, like a normal college person would. But eventually, they moved outside of Wells, Texas, and they started buying properties. And so now they have, like probably a couple hundred members and like, you know, six or eight houses all kind of in the same area. And they start buying businesses based on the money they take from everybody else. Yeah. So it was actually on the Dr. Phil show. There's a whole documentary. Yeah, you were on that, right? Yeah, but this was different. They did a whole Dr. Phil episode on the cult, like Mm. a few episodes actually. The same one. Mm -hmm. What's it called? The Church of Wells. Church of Wells. Mm -hmm. It's in Texas. Hmm. It's still going on? Oh, yeah. I tried to get like Texas Rangers involved. Like I tried to get upper level like government employees, but because of freedom of religion, they won't intervene. There was even a baby that died there like, you know, five or six years after I was out of it just because they started to get like really radical on their medical beliefs too. What was the final straw for you when you realized you had to get out of there? I was in Africa when I got excommunicated, and um, my best friend was getting in an arranged marriage to someone she absolutely hated, like couldn't tolerate, was like the guy that just annoyed her, you know, like she didn't want to be around him at all. And I just saw her turmoil and like what was going on with her, and I was like, that can't be right. Like, God would never do that. And so that was when they got on Zoom with my husband at the time, we're like, you know, your wife is subordinate and she she's causing trouble in the church. Like, you guys are not part of the church anymore. And, like, nobody was allowed to talk to me anymore after that. So, obviously, you were being manipulated in a oh, big yeah. way. But mm-hmm. your day-to-day, did it feel like you were having to do a lot of things you didn't want to do? Or was it more like it just became your new normal? Well, I was working a lot and I was going to school at the time. So, I was doing my last couple, like, bullshit classes for my undergrad degree online and then I was working so I I wasn't around a whole lot but there was like all these mandatory church meetings like church on Sunday would go all day like Mm -hmm. literally it would start in the morning and go all day long and I just hated that like I have ADD I can't I can't sit and be quiet and like focus on something that yeah, long. Yeah, 100%. And so that was really hard for me, but it was one of those things I just managed. And then I left. Like, you know, I was there, I probably moved there in August and I left in October. 
So I wasn't there in that environment for a super long time. And then by the time we were ready to move back to America, I was like excommunicated and I wasn't going to be around them anyway. Was it one of those things kind of like you hear about in Scientology documentaries where once you left, any friends that you had who were still in it wouldn't talk to you anymore? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, one friend, she got out close to when I got out. And she and I are still really close. Like, I love her to death. She lives in Texas, so I don't really get to see her that often. But she got out, and then the other girl got out a few years later. But I haven't really spoken to her since then. You got back here from South Africa. And how long were you here while still involved with this organization? So when we got back, I was already excommunicated, so I was already out of it. But I had a lot of healing to do because, like, I didn't really understand what was right and what was wrong. And I wasn't happy in my marriage either. It was kind of miserable. And so, oh, wait, so you stayed married to the guy. Did mm -hmm. he defect, for lack of a better term, as well? Eventually, yeah. Mm. It took him a lot longer, and he still got some weird tendencies, to be honest. Um, you know, and so I was always just more rebellious, I think, and not in a bad way, just like not listening to rules I didn't understand. And so we got back, and then, you know, I got pregnant unexpected. And once I had Ainsley, you know, I had her, and then I was like, I'm not going to put her in school. So we stayed married for a little bit longer. And then, you know, by the time she was like one or two, he was getting another job here in Birmingham. And I was like, all right, this is the perfect time for me to get a divorce and like get this all separated. Because I was like, I'm not going to let her live in this environment where I'm miserable and she sees us fighting all the time. And like, I'll just figure it out. And so I applied and got a job at Lifetime Fitness. And I got like a management position as the dietitian and then also like, kind of overseeing the nutrition and the labs portion of things. So I got there and I I did pretty good for my first year in a 100% commission job. And I just told him it was 100% commission. I wasn't making any money. Nice. <laughs> and so I just saved up. You're and building got, your nest egg. Yeah. I saved up and got my apartment. And that was a whole situation going through that process because he didn't want the divorce. He made it difficult. And then I got through that. Thankfully, one of my clients actually paid for the whole thing. She like brought me like cash one day to the gym and she's like here's your legal fees wow yeah and so got that taken care of got Ainsley and you know at that time she was really young so he let me have her most of the time but we co-parent pretty good we don't agree ideologically on a lot of things but we co-parent decent when you were still involved was it something that you would keep secret from people who were outside of it or were you pretty open oh about no it? I was like street preaching Oh, okay. <laughs> like not me because I was a female, but like I would go with them outside of like abortion clinics and like bars and stuff like that. I did that a few times. It was interesting. You mentioned healing. How do you heal from going through something like that? Well, I had PTSD. I got diagnosed with PTSD through like a clinical psychologist and I had to relearn how to think cognitively like when you're in a cult it's kind of like a circular logic because it's like the elders answer to god and god's you know it's just kind of like this there's no logic applied to anything there's no other answers than what they say and so i had to like recognitively learn how to think and how to process just like a plus b equals c and so i did a lot of that with what's called neuro-linguistic programming oh yeah nlp yeah mm -hmm. and so i like i couldn't afford therapy really i could do a couple sessions here and there but i couldn't afford what it costs at the time what's well, like an example of how that be something you'd use tbis high levels of stress and cortisol issues i mean like nlp oh nlp yeah, yeah like brain injuries um ptsd so like same thing if like 
the military kind of presents the same way when they have PTSD. Like sometimes they'll lose their train of thought. They'll have foggy thinking. But I feel like in any application of PTSD or brain injuries. So you sure. say certain phrases in certain ways to kind of rewire your brain or what? Yeah, it's kind of like not just speaking, but also like your thought processes. Like it kind of walks you through your chain of thoughts. Have you ever had like a ruminating thought where you just keep obsessing over the same thing? Well, it kind of teaches you strategies of like when that starts to happen, okay, catch yourself and then re-engage yourself out. So like I would wear a rubber band and I would like snap it or like when I would start to feel like stressed out, I would be like, okay, when's the last time I ate? Um, What have I done today that's like benefiting my self-care? What can you control? Yeah. So it just goes back to like, what can you control? And then also like critical thinking. Like I had to kind of learn to think for myself again. It seems like that organization and and a lot of others who consider themselves to be Christian, they really just use the Bible and they spin Mm -hmm. the words and they use those things to manipulate people into getting what they want and into controlling them. So I would imagine that you were tempted to throw the baby out with the bathwater and Mm -hmm. just like throw everything aside and say, oh, it's all bullshit. But I mean, is that something that you still have a part in your life or not so much? I mean, that's pretty much what happened because there was a lot of resentment built up and there was a lot of control. And then, you know, I would go to church and like I couldn't even listen to church music, listening to Bible verses, especially like the ones where it's like wives submit to your husbands made me want to like beat somebody up. You know, (laughs) like I can't listen to it. Now I have kind of a more healthy and balanced approach to it. Like I don't attend church, but I'm not opposed to Christianity you know, if something came in my life and I was like, wow, this is God, then I would acknowledge it as that. But I don't really live by any religion necessarily. I just kind of try to do the right thing and treat people good. You know, there were several different pillars of health. Mm-hmm. It was the physical, the nutritional, the emotional, and the spiritual would mm-hmm. be another component. So do you help your clients with a spiritual aspect of health or do you kind of let them handle that on their own or how, what does that look like? I don't really help them too much with it. Like if there's something they're really struggling with, I'll help them like find resources or help them like kind of walk through it cognitively or like if they need to talk about it, obviously we talk about that in my sessions because I feel like a lot of my sessions are more like therapy sessions than anything. Same Um, with personal training. That's what Matt Crane and I were talking on the last episode. Yeah, yeah. It's like all kind of like just helping them get to the next level. And so if somebody's really struggling, like I've had people come to me that are like me, which is something that's common too, I think in functional medicine where they've had like some kind of religious trauma. And with those people, I'll talk to them specifically about it if it relates to what I went through. But I don't like advise on it necessarily. I try to let people make their own conclusions. Yeah. Obviously, I could sit here and talk to you about cults all day because it's something that I'm naturally fascinated with. You know, I love all the documentaries and everything, but let's shift gears and talk about healthcare in general, natural healthcare, you know, functional medicine and what you do as a functional medicine practitioner, how that differentiates from maybe the conventional medical system. Yeah. So with functional medicine, like like I said earlier, we're really based on the root cause approach. And so when a new client comes to us, like we're like looking at their entire health history from the time they were born up until now. Any relevant like surgeries they've had. I ask people about trauma, obviously, from my background. Um, We look at like their medications they've taken in the past, their symptoms. And then we select lab testing, whether that's like a comprehensive blood panel, the gut test, the um, genetic testing, organic acids, Dutch testing. I really kind of customize that to the person. And then once we have their lab results back, then we're like, okay, now everything makes sense. You know, if you're struggling to lose weight, let's look at your sex hormones, let's look at your blood sugar, let's look at your thyroid, your micronutrients, your gut health, and then see like where the issue is, st- is stemming from. 
And then we can build out a custom protocol. So when I'm doing nutrition with people, it's not just like, here's your calories and macros. It's like, okay, what foods are we eating and why? What's our meal timing look like? Are we doing a blood sugar monitor where I actually can put like a monitor on their arm? Yeah, have you, like a NutriSense? Mm-hmm. Have you ever worn one? I've never worn one, but I've used them a lot with clients. Yeah, I really want to wear one. I just haven't gotten around to it. But I follow this account on uh, on Instagram. What's his name? Jason Whitrock, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he wears one and he'll eat a food and just show you the results. It's actually really surprising how, you know, a strawberry is different than a blueberry and all right. that. So I can see why that would be really beneficial for your clients to wear one so you can see how their blood sugar is responding to the foods they eat. Yeah. And some of the medical brands like Cygnos, they can actually give me a dashboard access where I can like look at their food they ate, look at what the glucose response was, and then we can really customize their diet based on their carb tolerance, which is really different for everybody. You know, nowadays, everybody wants to be keto and carnivore because, you know, they think it's cool, but it's not what's healthy. Totally. So functional medicine is kind of like the opposite of a one-size-fits-all approach. Right. Say it's r- truly customized to mm-hmm. that patient. With that in mind, when you hear and you see people on maybe YouTube talking about this is the end-all, be-all diet, you know, this is the diet that you need to be eating, this is the diet that's right for you, what do you have to say to that? They're uneducated. There's no diet that's right for everyone because it's individually biologically based on you. It's individual based on your training, your goals, what your lifestyle is useful for. Like there's a lot of people that can't eat six meals a day or there's a lot of people that will never tolerate keto and carnivore because of their digestive system or their family history with cholesterol problems. So, yeah, I just feel like they're uneducated and they have almost like a cult-like mindset around those food dogmas. Yeah. I mean, some of the, you know, not to call anyone out, but some of the vegan people, some of the keto people, some of the new Mm -hmm. carnivore people, they get a little bit militant with it. And they're like, it's my way or the highway, the kind of thing. And they're a little bit judgy against people who don't want to eat that way. But what I have noticed over, over years of paying close attention to nutrition is that the one thing that all of the popular diets have in common, whether it be vegan, keto, paleo, carnivore, it's all having you avoid processed fake mm-hmm. foods. Right. So there's not going to be any Pepperidge Farms. There's not going to be anything in the middle aisles of the grocery store. It's having mm-hmm. you avoid all of the fake foods. So that's why, you know, if a diet works for you, that's a big part of the reason. Right. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, like if you're trying to lose weight and you have a significant amount of weight to lose, you probably need to be in a calorie deficit. And a lot of people don't know what that looks like. And so sometimes it has to be a process of learning what calories and macros are, having them identify and track their foods and seeing like, oh, wow, I'm only eating 1,700 calories or 1,200 calories. Like there's people that need to be in a deficit and there's other women, specifically women, that come to me and I'm like, you're only eating 1,200 calories. Like that's what you burn if you laid in bed and didn't move all day. Yeah, exactly. You know, like how do you expect to have a good metabolism if you're eating 1,200 calories? What are some common conditions that mainstream medicine would have you believe are either incurable or you have to take medications for? Mm -hmm. What are some of those conditions that can be addressed through functional medicine? The two biggest ones that come to mind are hypothyroidism and insulin resistance. Diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hypothyroid, like I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's after I had Ainsley, which is the autoimmune form of hypothyroid. And a lot of that was from the cortisol and PTSD, like the stress makes autoimmune conditions worse. Um, And then pregnancy, you know, you lose a lot of your micronutrients to the baby. And I breastfed for two years. So, you know, like a lot of my vitamin deficiencies were probably pretty strong at the time because I wasn't really taking a whole lot of supplements. Like I was taking maybe a prenatal, but not like really paying attention to my blood or anything yet. 
And I went to six different doctors before I actually found someone that was like, look, what test do you want? And I was like, I want all of these. And I wrote them down and they finally ran it. And my thyroid antibody m- numbers were like in the six or seven hundreds, which it's supposed to be below like 10. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, okay, this is a problem. You know, my T3 was low. My TSH was low. And she was like, well, what I would put you on is a thyroid compound medication and you'd be on this the rest of your life. And I was like, no, like I'm going to find something else. And so that's when I actually got into functional medicine. I found like a couple of podcasts talking about it. And I was like, this is really interesting. And it makes sense. Yeah. Once you hear it, it totally checks out. Yeah. And so I got my first certification in functional medicine before I had my master's and I started healing myself, you know, like I did the GAPS diet. I did like basically Weston A. Price, like heavy fat, good proteins, a lot of fermented foods, healed my gut because I had a lot of gut issues too. And then I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like I can do this. And so that's when I went and got my master's in functional medicine so I could really like learn more in depth of how I can help people. Yeah. But um, back to the insulin resistance, like, or you know, diabetes, like if you can just fix your metabolism and your glucose disposal by gaining more muscle mass, moving more throughout the day, like getting your steps, gaining muscle mass, and then just not eating your carbs by themselves, then that makes a huge difference in the majority of people. They just aren't properly educated on it. But uh, yeah, like you were saying about uh, when you were breastfeeding for two years and how so many of your micronutrients were going to your baby, Katie and I were talking about that. And I learned throughout her pregnancy about that. And I thought it was so interesting. And she used the analogy of a flamingo turns from pink to white when it has babies because it gives away all of its nutrients. And the reason a flamingo is pink is because of, you know, their diet turns their feathers pink. So when they have the babies, it transfers all those nutrients to them. They turn white temporarily. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's why a lot of women have thyroid conditions after pregnancy, other than like the immune system being kind of lowered on purpose to facilitate the pregnancy too. We've talked about Hashimoto's. We've talked about, we've talked, we've touched on insulin resistance. So something I used to always hear people say is that diabetes is genetic. Mm. And I used to say, I used to joke, I would say, yeah, diabetes runs in your family because nobody runs in your family. Yep. You know? Yeah. But what I would always say is that it's not so much that diabetes is genetic, it's that diets are genetic. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes you'll end up eating kind of the same way that your parents would right. eat. So what have you seen with diabetes? That's definitely the case. I mean, it's it's more of a learned behavior if it's type two. Obviously, if it's type one, you're born that way and it's it's an immune system disorder. But with type two, a lot of it is learned behavior, lack of activity poor diet, you know, you don't get type 2 diabetes from just eating healthy food. Like you're most of the time over consuming carbs and sugar and then underdoing your exercise and activity level. So in my opinion, like a lot of it is just because the majority of Americans don't move anymore. Like we go to work, we sit at a desk all day, we go home and then they eat and then they watch TV. Maybe that's the majority of the population, right? Before that, we were all outside. Yeah. So as a population, we've gone totally sedentary. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why I think I read the stat recently that we finally tipped greater than 50% mark that over 50% of the population is now considered at least overweight, maybe obese. I forget which one it was. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it is like you mentioned earlier, like eating the processed foods, like the vegetable oils and like the fried foods and the, you know, not real foods. You know, our bodies aren't meant to digest those things and those kind of chemicals get into us and cause all kinds of inflammation problems and inflammation is the root cause of all disease so it's kind of that's including like diabetes heart disease dementia alzheimer's you know autoimmune conditions like ms and ra so a lot of it's preventable you know i used to always think about 
how to fix one person. You know, I wouldn't really think that much about how to fix the country. Is that something mm. you've ever thought big about? You know, oh, like yeah. how do we fix the population as a whole? I joke about it a lot that I'm going to be in the White House with my friends. Okay. <laughs> Specifically just because I've worked in, like I've gotten kind of close with some politics on the Republican side. And so I always kind of joke, like, I'm going to make America fit again, especially if, like, a certain president like gets it, in the make office. America fit again, yeah. <laughs> I really look at it as, like, we just need the proper education. A lot of people just don't know. And then if they do have the education, maybe they don't have the financial access or resources to food. And so a lot of it is, like, just teaching them, okay, let's get you outside and moving two or three times a day. Let's get you eating higher protein, higher amounts of veggies, healthy fats, and then carbs based on your activity level. You know, if you can just get people doing those basic things, then I think it would make a huge difference. And I think a lot of it is due to f the big pharma company and big food are all about money. So nothing is about like the actual health. And so if you can get somebody in office that is prioritizing health, then it would be pretty easy. You just got to knock out the big money bags that are in the way. Yeah, I mean, it does have to be something totally outside of the box because what we've been doing, you know, if you look at the food pyramid, it's mm -hmm. an absolute joke. It's a joke. If you follow the food pyramid, you're likely going to get diabetes. Yeah, it's like 60% carbs. You're going to get fat, especially if you're not moving. What are some things you do in your personal life to make sure that you have a nice, healthy, long life? And the big thing is I move every day. And so I have an aura ring. And so I track my steps and I really strive to get at least 10,000 steps a day. I have a dog. So a lot of that's usually like walking him multiple times a day. Yeah, and that then helps. It helps a lot. And then, you know, I go to the gym. I lift weights probably five or six times a week and I do pretty heavy. I think muscle is the organ of longevity. I think the more muscle you have, the less disease you're going to have because it is an immune organ. So your muscle actually modulates your immune system. Really? Mm-hmm. It releases like um, enzymes that help like increase your immune system in a mm. healthy way. And then, you know, there's hormetic stress, which is like good stress. And the muscle tension is good stress. It's not like the stress of like, you know, something with work or something like that. And then muscle also is going to increase your glucose disposal. So your muscle will eat up your glucose, which helps with diabetes. Um, so lifting weights would be the big one, getting your steps in and then really looking at then the content of your food. So I eat like organic grass-fed meat only. You know, there's the occasional time I'll go out to eat at a restaurant, obviously, you know, it's different. What's your source for that meat? Do you do one of the online shipping orders or do you have a local source for that or what? Sometimes I'll go to the farmer's market and try to get something local. I've done butcher box in the past, but I just like, I got a couple packages that weren't like the greatest so i didn't do butcher box anymore yeah you um, try wild pastures there's wild pastures i kind of rotate i get bored like i'll either feel like doing frozen stuff or i'll just go grab something at whole foods yeah i go to whole foods like a couple times a week mm -hmm. so it's probably they know like, you by name yeah they're like oh here she comes again <laughs> but yeah and then veggies like veggies are really important especially nowadays when people keep promoting like the keto carnivore diet like you need to eat veggies to feed your gut bacteria and if you don't have good gut bacteria, then you're prone to all kinds of different diseases because your gut bacteria actually help modulate your immune system as well. And they release something called short-chain fatty acids. And short-chain fatty acids we cannot produce on our own as humans at all. And we completely rely on the bacteria. So if you're not feeding the bacteria, you're not getting short-chain fatty acids. And they primarily go systematically throughout the body and decrease inflammation, whether that's in your heart or your brain or your joints. And so a lot of people that don't eat fiber or don't eat enough veggies will have a lot of you know, inflammatory diseases later on too.
gut bacteria could be an entire episode on its own. I oh, think yeah. my old podcast, we had one called The Gut Microbiome Spectacular, and we just talked about microbiomes the whole time. What would you say are some of the foods that people commonly eat or drink that is just detrimental for your gut bacteria? So drinking sugary calories is never a good idea, whether that's soda or juice. Like a lot of people think like it's healthy to have a big glass of orange juice where they'll give their kids apple juice. I would never give my child juice. It's sugar that goes straight into the blood and that's going to either make them hyper or going to make them less sensitive to, to insulin later on. That would be the big thing drink-wise. Eating-wise would be like fried foods, things with oils like sunflower and safflower oils. The omega-6 oils from plants are going to be pro-inflammatory, whereas like fish and grass-fed beef have higher omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory. Yeah. So you want to keep that balance. It's really important. Katie was reading the other day, and she shared this with me, that the omega-3 versus the omega-6 in your meat depends on whether it's grass-fed and mm-hmm. finished or not. Mm-hmm. So a piece of grass-fed, grass-finished beef has an omega-3 to omega-6 content of one-to-one, just like salmon. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing that that red meat cannot have just as much omega-3 as salmon could, or at least the Absolutely. same ratio. Yeah. I mean, steak's one of the most healthy foods you can get as long as it's a good sourced one. And we can actually test that omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. That's one of the markers I sometimes add to a blood test. And we can see like in your blood, your omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. And I have a lot of people, especially my veteran community, like a lot of the Navy SEAL guys, the special operators that have PTSD and TBIs, they're on like a gram of fish oil a day, like a lot. What are you doing with the veteran community? So um, we do a lot of hormone replacement with the veterans because... I mean, in what capacity are you working with them? I have individuals that come to me just like on their own. Then I work with two different nonprofits that send us veterans specifically for healthcare. And what that looks like is they want to facilitate the holistic treatment, so functional medicine. And so we run the lab tests on them. We help them with their hormones. Ozempic, the Wagovi drug a lot of people talk about, is really great for veterans at a very low dose. Mm. We like microdose it almost. And what that does is it helps with their cortisol blood sugar response. Like one of my Navy SEALs that actually works for me now, his name's John. When he first retired, he got medically retired. He had, I think, 11 TBIs. And he would wake up at 3 a.m. just ravenous. Like the only thing he wanted to do was eat. And there was nothing that would satisfy his body other than eating. And it was that cortisol fight or flight response. Like cortisol goes up, blood sugar dumps into you, and then you're like, I got to do something. I got to. So for him, it was eating. And so we looked at his hormones. His testosterone was also super low, which is very common in veterans just because the TBIs, obviously, when you hit your head, that's going to affect your pituitary gland and then your testosterone production. But then PTSD and stress really lowers testosterone too. So we got him on testosterone, a very low dose of um, Wagovi semiglutide. He's about to come off of it now. He completely changed his eating habits. He no longer had the binging feeling. He no longer had the fight or flight panic attacks. Obviously, we're doing a lot nutritionally too, changing a lot of the consistency of his diet macro-wise and protein and stuff. He's gone down. I think he he had to throw away his belt. Like he went down like five belt loops and then he's like, I can't wow. even wear this anymore. So his body composition's completely changed, like muscle to fat ratios. His life is completely different. Like he just looks like a different human being, even in his face. And so that's super rewarding to me to be able to help them. But that's a very common story with veterans is the VA doesn't do shit. They definitely aren't going to do things they consider not medically necessary, like hormones. And oftentimes that's what makes them feel the best is like, when they have more testosterone. We've talked about how 
there's no one size fits all diet, right? Mm -hmm. So any population, there's not going to be one diet that's right for them. With that in mind, are there any differences that are kind of across the board in the way that men should eat versus women? Women shouldn't go low carb. Most women are not going to respond well to low carb because of their adrenals and their sex hormones. Mm. And that's just something that I've seen over, you know, 11 years of practice and then lab tests. A lot of low carb females are not going to respond well mood wise, hormone wise, thyroid wise, and they're probably not going to feel that great energy wise throughout the day or at the gym. Now men, I've seen men be able to do a little bit more fasting, like intermittent fasting, probably a little bit more low carb and still tolerate it. Okay. Not all of them, but that's one generalization that I can say it's pretty consistent. So in general, men do better with intermittent fasting than than females. women. I don't have women do intermittent fasting at all. Interesting. Because a lot of the times it depends on the time of the month, like their cycle, their menstrual cycle. Like when you're going through certain phases of the month, you actually need to eat a little bit more or you need to rest to kind of depending on where you are. And so I feel like because of the menstrual cycle, fasting is probably not good for most women. That's funny. That's kind of the way that Katie and I end up eating anyway, even though I don't think that either of us were aware of that. I end up oftentimes not eating anything in the morning and just eating lunch and dinner. And she is every two hours. She's on it. I mean, yeah. she's, you know, in that way she won't get hangry and it's great. And she's yeah. also a drink gremlin. Mm. I don't know if you know anything about that, but she's always got a coffee. She's got a juice. She's got a water. Yeah. She's got a, a mixture of all of her supplements. She's got like four or five cups around her at any yeah. one time. She's like, call her the drink gremlin. I have that too. Yeah. I always have like something like my magnesium or my electrolytes or it's my aminos if I'm going to work out. Yeah. Speaking of supplements, what are... Okay, I guess maybe we could make some more generalizations there Mm -hmm. as far as supplements that pretty much anyone should take, like the absolute basics. Mm -hmm. What are some of those things that you recommend? Probably a fish oil for sure, especially if it's a medical grade fish oil. You don't want to just go buy it at Walgreens or over the counter. I use all pharmaceutical grade products because they're not regulated by the FDA. So they've done studies where you buy a supplement at GNC or at Target. There was actually ground up Christmas tree decorations as an ingredient (laughs) on PubMed. What? It's on PubMed. And I was like, this has to be unreal, like as a filler, I guess. It's um, funny you say that because I used to manage a GNC when I was all throughout college. Mm-hmm. And something they would mention is fluff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, some of these contain fluff, but the standardized products, they don't contain as much fluff. But mm-hmm. some of the other ones, they do contain a little fluff. So I guess... In retrospect, they were talking about ground up Christmas tree decorations. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> um, but fish oil is a pretty good one. Unless like somebody's on a blood thinner, then maybe that's a contra- contraindication for um, fish oil. I'm trying to think. There's not. I don't really do supplements with people unless I do a test. Like yeah, vitamin sure. D is pretty common for people to be low in. But again, you don't want to take it just assuming you're low in vitamin D. It's best to just test and then say, okay, do I actually need this? A lot of people benefit from a multivitamin depending on their diet and their levels, like most of my clients come back low with several micronutrients. So I'm just like, here's a really good all-inclusive multivitamins. You have to take 10 different supplements. Yeah, it's not going to be like a Centrum Silver or mm-hmm. something like that though. Yeah, it's going to be pharmaceutical grade. So I order all my supplements for my clients so that way they can get direct what I can get. So a lot of people are on a multi, a lot of people are on omegas, vitamin D if they're actually low. Digestive enzymes is another common one, kind of depending on, again, what their diet's like, how frequently they eat, if they're on any kind of medications for like GERD or stuff, you don't want to take digestive enzymes with those. But those really help with like bloating and gas. And like, as we age, we decrease our production of digestive enzymes. So starting around the age of 30, your body just kind of gets lazy with making some of them. So especially like people, once they get into their 40s and 50s, 
activities, those can really be helpful, you know, especially because you have to increase your protein intake as you age. And digestive enzymes are going to help you absorb more of the protein that you're eating. Say I came to you as a patient, you ran labs, you got me on supplements, you got me eating the right diet. Is it just kind of like, all right, good luck now? Or is it you run programs where I would be coming back to you? What does that look like? Yeah. So when I built ProFit, my big goal was to make this accessible to everyone. And so I kind of allow people to come in wherever they're at and wherever their budget is. And we just figure out what works best for them. So I have a lot of people like my firefighters here locally in Vestavia. They'll come to me like every three months or every six months to get their blood panel, but they don't necessarily need coaching. You know, they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. But then I have people that come and they maybe have never experienced like nutrition coaching or they don't know how to eat and so they'll work with me on like a one-on-one setting and so that's just kind of a month-to-month thing like as long as they need me they can work with me I don't like lock people into expensive contracts and charge them stupid amounts of money I charge them what I think is fair in the industry and then let them kind of work with me until they feel like they can graduate and do it on their own so my ultimate goal is to get them to learn how to facilitate a healthy lifestyle and I teach them I'm educating them a lot of them are doing like modules that I've built so they can learn as we go through the process and then they can come back to me whenever they need lab redraws or supplement refills. So ProFit is is not just you. You've mm-hmm. got some other people that are in the organization. So who are some of those people? So the first person I hired was my assistant Shelby and she does all the admin stuff for me. So she does all the scheduling, all the lab orders, the communication with the clients and kind of like keeps me sane, you know helping me with my schedule and stuff. And then Hannah was the next one, Hannah Griffin, or call your now. She's married. Um, she, I met at Lifetime and she's a personal trainer. She's got her degree in kinesiology from Alabama. She's just an amazing coach. Like I, I know a lot of really good trainers, but Hannah, in my opinion, is one of the best. She's very personable. She cares a lot about her clients and she does a little bit of nutrition, like sports nutrition, as well as the training. So she's got clients in person that she goes around locally with Birmingham and trains them in person. But she, and she lives it. You know, she lives she, it. I mean, she's in the gym working on herself a oh, lot yeah. too. Like I, know, I know a few trainers, not going to name any names, but it's obvious that they're not focusing on themselves the way. Mm-hmm. So, it's like never trust a skinny chef. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, she's a power lifter, so she's so strong. Um, but she's very good at like doing the virtual training too. So the majority of our clients are all over the U.S. I mean, I have clients all over the world. I have a Mexican senator. I have a clients in the U.K. and Saudi Arabia and Canada. So we do have a lot of clients that she facilitates virtually where she programs their workout into an app and basically says like, here's your rep range, here's your sets, here's your weights. And then she meets with them on like a biweekly or a weekly basis basis depending on the person and then just checks in and see how everything's going. Then we have Katrina. She's an RN. I think she's been an RN for almost 20 years now. Um, she's in functional medicine as well, certified functional medicine. And she's going back to school to do her nurse practitioners and mental health mm. um, with the idea of helping a lot with the veterans since that's kind of become a big niche that we're working in and um, ultimately with medical cannabis for her too. And then we have John Richards, who's a Navy SEAL. He was in the SEAL teams for, I think, 10 or 11 years as a, um instructor and a breacher. And I bet he's got some stories. Maybe I'll have oh. to get him on. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's in Virginia Beach, but he could do it for Zoom. Yeah. He's an amazing person. He's got a great story. Like, when I met him, I was like, you're not like what I would think a Navy SEAL is like. Because you look at him, and he's huge, and he's tatted, and, you know, he's, like, got that, like, look to him. But... He's super emotionally intelligent and intuitive and 
can really help people. Like he works with NFL guys. Um, he does a lot of like private protection work. Mm. And then he also works with Profit. Like we do business coaching together. So he and I will collaborate on a business coaching client. And usually they're people like me that want to do functional medicine or health related services. And we kind of do calls together and separately where we're helping them through the business, like practical stuff with me. But then he's kind of helping with the execution side. Like, well, what's the emotional blockage? Like, why are you limiting yourself? Or what kind of belief is in the way of you achieving your goals? He works with Greg Hasbury. Oh, really? Yeah. So Greg's doing coaching with him locally. So yeah, he does that. He does the private protection work. So one of our partners that I have is a bespoke luxury travel company. So they have clients that'll pay like $6 million for their one week vacation. And included in that cost is a Navy SEAL that goes overseas with you as like private protection. And so that's who I was actually in Tampa with a few weeks ago was that luxury travel company. And we're working with like a three letter agency and special operators to build that wearable device that I was talking about. And what's the wearable device? So it's kind of like going to be an Oura ring, a Garmin, a VO2 max, a glucose monitor, all of those things in one. Mm. And so it's going to be about the size of your finger. We haven't decided if it would be like on the arm or where we're going to put it yet. Um, they're doing beta testing. There's actually cameras kind of the size of your ring light. And the cameras are AI intelligent cameras. And so we can detect like a change in velocity up to a tenth of a second. So, like, say you're at a football game and you want to know how your favorite player is doing exertion-wise or effort-wise or his heart rate or his glucose, then eventually you'll be able to hopefully see all this stuff and, like, use so it. So you can see all that from afar? Yeah, like like you could have an iPad or, like, whatever software. Yeah. Like, the coach could have it or eventually maybe it'd be, like, consumer-focused too. That'll be a game-changer for fantasy football. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you'll be able to bet like crazy. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what else could that be used for? It could be used for a lot. So we're going to use it in sports teams. We're also going to use it with our clients at Profit and use it for like, you know, like grip strength and VO2 max are two, one of the most important markers for longevity. So we're going to use it for things like that. So with our clients, I kind of want to keep it that way for a little while and then eventually let other providers use it too. We hope to use it with government agencies. You know, the three-letter agency that's helping us has probably got some personal (laughs) investments in that. And then maybe even like the SEAL teams and the elite teams like that would use it for training purposes. I mean, it would really help them prevent injuries, maybe help the guys before they get to that rhabdo stage of where they're really going to break down and have problems, maybe detect that early. That could also be used for maybe like drunk driving detection and all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Yeah, it feels like the implications of that could be really far reaching. Yeah, yeah. Because then, I mean, everybody has a device like this is a device, you know. It's one of those things where I think a lot of people that are in that kind of world of biohacking would really love to know that information. And we, we might make it direct to consumer at some point, but that's kind of like later on. I'd rather sell it to the big teams first. Yeah, of course. Oh, and there's one more person, my dad. He is the MD on staff. And so he does all the hormone replacement, thyroid medications, and then the weight loss and peptides. Alabama Board of Pharmacy likes to make things very difficult for peptides in this state. I just want to let you know something about Discover Birmingham's partner, Dr. Chase Horton Real Estate with EXP Realty. That's right. I'm talking about my business. Are you, or someone you know, considering buying or selling a home within the next six months? If so, let's chat. With their permission, simply send me their name and number and I'll reach out to talk about the best way to achieve their real estate goal. 
Whether they're a first-time home buyer or they're selling a home they've cherished for 30 years, I've got them covered. Simply text HOME to 205-213-9720. That's HOME, H-O-M-E, to 205-213-9720. More cash, more capital, and new customers for your business. That's where Moxie comes in. Moxie Birmingham is a growing community of small businesses helping one another thrive. As a Moxie member, you earn more revenue from brand new customers, not spend your hard-earned revenue on various expenses, and even get a no-interest, no-payment line of credit, all within the Moxie network. As a Moxie member myself, I can tell you that I choose to support other businesses that also accept Moxie. In fact, I've discovered some of my very favorite restaurants, healthcare practitioners, and home and auto service businesses through Moxie. I'm talking Soho Social, Heavenly Donuts, Nothing But Cakes, just to name a few. Go to moxiebirmingham.com, that's M-O-X-E-Y-B-H-A-M.com to learn more. Moxie, it's the smarter way to barter. All right, now let's jump back into today's episode of the Discover Birmingham podcast and highlight the best parts of our awesome city. But something that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to talk about, I think it might be kind of interesting for people to learn a little bit about Weston A. Price mm-hmm. and that diet and everything. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the kind of the story with him? Yeah. So he was a dentist initially and he traveled all over the world studying like facial structure and like how diet affects like their overall health. And he found that people that consumed like animal products, raw milk, fermented foods had like a different bone structure, which overall led to better health. Like, have you ever heard the term like a mouth breather? Yeah. And you see like their their chins kind of sunken in and they don't really have a jawline. Yeah. It's because they're breathing through their mouth. And like structurally, your body is made for you to breathe through your nose. And so he found that people had like less vitamin deficiencies and they were overall healthier if they were eating full fat animal products, healthy proteins and fermented foods. So the diet's kind of based a lot around like making your own kefir, sauerkraut. When I was making bread, I would like buy the wheat kernels organic and I would put them in a big jar and I would sprout them on the counter. Oh, interesting. So you sprout them for like two weeks. They come with little sprouts. And then once they've done that, you dry them out and then I would ground them into flour and then make flour from that bread. So it's like a lot of the bad parts of wheat are kind of fermented out through that process. That kind of reminds me, I mean, that's obviously next level, but I think mm-hmm. one maybe practical way that people could could eat healthier wheat if they don't want to do all that would be maybe like einkorn flour. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, or like the Ezekiel bread is sprouted yeah. if you get it at the um, like Whole Foods in the freezer section. But I'm pretty gluten-free now just mm. because of my thyroid condition. And nowadays we have access to all of that stuff pretty easily. But yeah, the fermented products are really great for gut health. And I think that was a big emphasis with Weston A. Price too. But that really helped me with my pregnancy and breastfeeding. Like I never had any health problems. You know, breastfeeding, I never had trouble with supply or anything like that. So, and Ainsley's like never really been sick. Like she had COVID, but it was like a cold, you yeah. know. But she hasn't had really any health issues at all. And I think a lot of it was because she was smashing sauerkraut into her hair when she was like <laughs> three months old. You totally. know, or like, or, no, she was like nine months old, I guess. You know, you mentioned raw milk. And that's another one. So that's illegal, right? right? 
you know, it's legal for pet consumption. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you want to, if you want to just want to yeah, make sure your pet is drinking something healthy, you could try it a little bit yourself, right? Yeah. But it's so interesting that they pasteurize and homogenize store-bought milk. Mm-hmm. The pasteurization process, while no, it doesn't heat it up to boiling, it does heat it up enough to kill the enzymes. Right. So when you're drinking store-bought milk, you're drinking milk that contains dead enzymes. It's like mucus. It's like mucus, and it, it stimulates mucus in your body. And then you have to process all these dead enzymes, and that ends up causing you know gastric distress. And that's why mm-hmm. some people think they're lactose intolerant. It's that really nobody should be drinking store-bought milk because it's right. a dead substance. But raw cow's milk that hasn't been pasteurized, it's almost like drinking yogurt, you oh, know, yeah. it ta- but it tastes just like milk, but the enzymes are alive. So it's not going to cause that same, those same gastric issues. So that's really important to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get raw milk from the Amish in Kentucky and I would take like the fat off the top and I'd make butter. So I would just put it in a blender with some salt and it would be butter. It was so yeah. good. But then I would take the, the raw milk and I would make kefir. But there is a farm in alabaster called alleluia acres mm-hmm. where and of course you know you're only getting it for pet consumption right. but they do sell raw cow's milk for uh for your pet so you can get raw cow's milk you can reach out to alleluia acres through i think they have a facebook page maybe a website and there is a wait list you have to yeah. get on a wait list but they just got two new cows so they're pumping out an extra eight gallons a week so we yeah. go every saturday pick up a gallon and and give that to Henry. Oh, I bet he loves that. <laughs> oh, he loves it. Yeah. yeah. He's like, this he, is the best day ever. Yeah, he drinks it every night before bed. That's why he's so strong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, we've been introducing food to Charlotte recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That is so fun to watch. It so, is. so far, we've introduced sweet potatoes, zucchini, avocados, and pickles. And the mm. pickles? I that, saw that video. That was funny. That was hilarious. Yeah. She had... The facial expressions that I thought she might, you know, like mm-hmm. whenever babies try something sour, it's pure comedy. Oh, yeah. But she just kept going back for more. She liked it, but it would just give her that sour face. It was really, really funny. It's really interesting to watch. Ainsley, I think her first food at one year was she had an egg yolk. That was her first one, hard-boiled egg yolk. And then I think it was blueberries, like smashed up blueberries and then sauerkraut. And she was drinking bone broth out of her sippy cup. Nice. <laughs> we actually, we did try scrambled eggs and she really likes eggs. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, pretty easy to tolerate, you know. Mm-hmm. It seems like some babies have, you know, so many allergies to foods that are, that are just common. Do you have any thoughts on why that might be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to go into that, we don't have to. Uh, I, it's fine. It's a loaded um, question. I think there's a few factors, and I, I don't want to offend anyone for my answer, but I think I think whether or not you have a vaginal birth or a cesarean makes a big difference because the gut microbiome is given to the baby if you do a vaginal birth. I think vaccines play a big role. Not necessarily that I think vaccines are bad or that, you know, they're causing disease. I just think that the dosages that they're given in are not good, like there's too much. And our mercury levels, even as mothers, are higher now than they've ever been. And so then you kind of add that mercury burden at a young age. I think that contributes to a lot of it. And making the babies and kids too clean. Like we've gotten, especially since COVID, to where everybody's doing antibacterial soaps all the time and like cleaning the babies all the time. They need bacteria. They need to touch the dirt. They yeah, you can't to... live in a bubble or else yeah. your immune system won't develop. Yeah, like I said, Ainsley never gets sick, but she's also outside playing all the time. I never restricted her from being outside. I didn't clean her with, 
antibacterial soaps all the time. Yeah. Bathing um, her in hand sanitizer. Yeah, and I did a lot of different strategy when it came to vaccines than most parents do. Let's shift gears just to kind of Birmingham in general. Mm-hmm. What are some healthy-ish restaurants or at least restaurants where you can find healthy options that you could recommend to people? I think one of my favorites is probably Ellie's Jerusalem Grill. Yeah. Um, when I want something in a pinch because his chicken is organic and I think his beef might be too. And mm-hmm. he like slow cooks it. Um, and they use einkorn flour like I was talking yeah. about. And then he uses basmati rice is one of the big carbs. And that's one of the lower glycemic rices. It's healthier for you than brown rice. But yeah, one thing that I learned about white rice and white potatoes is the, you know, they call it the potato hack where mm-hmm. if you, uh, you know, you cook it and then you let it get cold. Mm-hmm. And the cooling process turns it from a starch to more of a uh, prebiotic. Yep. So that feeds the healthy bacteria in your gut. You don't have to eat it while it's cold, but you mm-hmm. need to let it get cold and then you can reheat it. Yep. And then that cooling process, whatever for whatever reason, it turns white potatoes and white rice into a healthier, lower glycemic carbohydrate. Yeah. It makes it more of a resistant starch. That's it. Resistant starch. Mm-hmm. And that feeds the good gut bacteria. And I think a part of it is similar to like a fermentation process where it just breaks it down a little bit to let it cool back down. Mm. But yeah, um, Ellie's Urban Cookhouse is decent. Like you can always get like a very good salad they have there, or like the chicken feast where it's like chicken salad and rice. Eating out wise, I love El Barrio. I don't know what oils they use, but they're yeah, so good. So good. Any kind of steakhouse is usually pretty safe because if you just tell them like, I don't want my steak cooked in oil, I want it cooked in butter. They're pretty consistent with that. So I always try to get like my protein, my veggies. And then if I am working out that day, I'll do carbs. And the fats are pretty easy. You can just put butter on your veggies if you're out to eat. Have you been to Kava yet? Where's that? I don't know. I've ordered it. I haven't been there. Mm, No, I haven't. What is it? It's like kind of a Mediterranean type thing. So like you can build your own bowl. And so there's like a Greek salad bowl. And I'll add a bunch of more veggies and like some protein, some avocado. So I like stuff like that too. Nice. Have you tried Joyful Foods? Mm-mm. Joyful Foods, oh my gosh, they have so many good desserts, but it's all gluten-free, all dairy-free. It's all made with almond flour and it's all super clean. They also have to-go meals, so they have, you know, food. They specialize in cakes and cupcakes and cookies and all my favorite things. So yeah. that's been a go-to. Actually, Katie's brother worked there for a while, so that was a great hookup. There you go. Yeah, our, our refrigerator stayed full of... <laughs> That'd be dangerous for me. Yeah, totally. I like sweets. I don't eat them very you, much. You have a sweet too? Oh, yeah. yeah. I love dark chocolate, so that's usually what I stick to. And then I make this little like protein yogurt thing when I really want something sweet. What's that recipe? So I use um, the Siggy's, the Mm -hmm. Icelandic yogurt that's got like 20 grams of protein. And then I'll add a scoop of protein into it. So that's like 40 grams of protein at that point. And then have you ever seen those Siete Mexican chocolate cookies? Yeah. I like crumble one or two of those over the top. It's It sounds real good. It's pretty good. And it's like 40 grams of protein. Solid. Yeah, Yeah. I'll have to share that one with Katie. And then another go-to healthier restaurant would be um, for just like a lunch spot, Kale Me Crazy. Mm-hmm. Kale Me Crazy in Homewood. Yeah, it's good. They have they have healthier wraps, and they have they make juices, and they have they have pretty good stuff. And there's a clean juice in Mountain Brook, which is the only certified organic restaurant in the state. I think. Oh wow. Portions are small. 
and you'll pay, you know, a thousand dollars for it, but it's pretty good. <laughs> Real and rosemary is really good too. That's another good one. They're yeah. good. Um, Taco Mama, if you want Mexican, you can order like a build your own salad, and that's pretty good. I don't know about the meat quality, obviously, but if you're just trying to eat out, it's pretty good their meat quality because I went to a, a small business meetup in uh, at Aldridge Gardens mm-hmm. over last weekend, and the people speaking were the owners of Taco Mama Corporation. They have like 25 uh, locations now. They're having them in Athens, Georgia, but they were talking about, you know, how they source their meat and stuff and they do a pretty good job with it. I was happy to hear that because Taco Mama is a favorite. Oh man, it's so good. Yes. And something I think, you know, I used to always tell my patients that, you know, you can't expect perfection Mm -hmm. with your diet. Uh, And I think that it's... It's been kind of a slippery slope for me over time. I think by now I'm down to like 80-20. Yeah. 80-20 healthy. Yeah. Uh, it used to be 90-10. At one point it was probably, you know, almost um, what do they call it, orthorexic where you're yeah. eating like too healthy. You I've know, I'm like bringing too. my own foods to birthday parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's no fun. That's just no. not sustainable and it's not a fun way to live and people give you funny looks. So I, I think by now I'm about 80-20 and that's a sustainable yeah, number Yeah, because your me. mental health matters too. You Absolutely. Know? And now that you're a parent, like – Priorities are a little bit different than when you could have just done everything. When you're married, too. I mean, you have a wife. Like, that's a whole different change of when you're a single guy and you can just meal prep one day out of the week. Absolutely. But Katie's the healthy one out of us now. She's, yeah. uh, I mean, she's on it. So she, I think you'd be proud of her. She, um, you know, it's pretty much all gluten-free for her. She's not a big dairy person and she's just all grass-fed. So our dinner every night pretty much consists of uh, a meat broccoli asparagus maybe avocado uh every now and then maybe like a bean or something like that but mm-hmm. it's always just pretty much that and it's yeah it's good yeah that's what i pretty much do too um, it's easy to make it just can pretty basic and then just change the flavor profile a that's, little bit. that's exactly right i like have the same you know eight or ten staples and just mm-hmm. kind of have them in different uh different combinations kind of like mexican food you know yeah. it's like mexican food is really just what, five core ingredients all mm-hmm. in different combinations? Yeah, like you can make taco bowls instead of tacos. Exactly. Pretty easy. Do you know Chewy? I do. Yeah. I, I met that. him through Ryan Delacio at, at the gym. That's right. Yeah, I had Chewy on recently. He's such a good guy, but he uh, – have you ever been to Uno's Tacos mm-hmm. or Adios? I've been to both, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's opened up some good spots around here. He opened up a coffee shop too recently. That's right. Or he's working on it. Yeah, in Edgewood, Honest Coffee Roasters. And also, I think they're having a location downtown. Are you he's a big, you big coffee drinker? Uh, I mean, I will drink it occasionally. I don't have it every day. Um, I really like to make it at home as much as I can just because of the mold content. But mm-hmm. I'll have Starbucks if I want it occasionally. It's just kind of like pick and choose your poison you know like 80 20 is pretty reasonable for most people and if i feel like i want to have a starbucks i'll have a starbucks i just am more cautious about what i put in it and i just kind of change the ingredients yeah definitely i uh i definitely am not a coffee connoisseur but what i have learned more recently is that that coffee shops that roast their own beans i can notice a difference in Mm -hmm. how good the coffee is so i've got two favorites there baba java right here in hoover Mm -hmm. And June Coffee downtown. Have you tried that place? I haven't. It's, kind of, it's a little this. bit newer, but they have really excellent cup of coffee there. And I learned that it's because they roast their own beans. And um, I have a love-hate relationship with coffee. I would say that I do better when I don't drink it every day. Mm-hmm. And I've gone – so it's almost like all or nothing for me. Either I'm yeah. not going to drink it at all or I'm going to drink it every day. But I don't go overboard. It's not like I'm having cup after cup. Mm-hmm. But – I'm a slow coffee, or a slow caffeine metabolizer, so it hits me hard, and it'll, yeah. you know, what you about have you? The crash afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. 
And what it does for me is that, you know, it gives you a good dopamine rush for mm. a few hours. But then you don't just go back down to baseline. You go down below baseline. Right. So then you're looking for other things to get you just back up to baseline and feeling normal again. So that's where my sweet tooth comes in. I know yep. there's a direct correlation between my coffee intake and the amount of sugar that I want. Yep. When I did coffee, you know, more regularly, I always did it in a protein shake. Mm. So I would do like the cold brew as like part of the base and then I would do like coconut milk, couple scoops of protein and then collagen and then like one of those like flavored coffee creamers that are like almond milk or something yeah. like a nut nut pod. I think it's what it's called. They don't have very much sugar at all, like a couple grams per a serving. And that tasted really good to that me. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, I think also taking an L-theanine with coffee is mm -hmm. supposed to help kind of balance out that caffeine yeah, the nootropic world is really interesting. Yeah, do you dabble in that much? I do. I'm really into the science on psychedelics as well right now. It's very interesting to me since I deal with a lot of PTSD patients with the veteran community, what microdosing and psilocybin can do for PTSD, especially since I have PTSD myself. But I have a good friend out in Austin, Texas, and she is an educator as well as she has a lab where they produce it. And she's the one that facilitates a lot of the care with the veterans with you know, things like psilocybin. I saw uh, Harrison's clinic, Southern Ketamine, mm -hmm. post an article that Elon Musk says that he microdoses ketamine. Yeah, a lot of people do that for depression and PTSD too. So I've talked to Harrison about doing like ketamine treatments for some of the veterans too. And um, a lot of veterans are doing like IV through a doctor, obviously. I don't suggest getting it off the streets. Right, right. Um, but going to a facility like Harrison's is really beneficial for people with PTSD or, um, you know, brain injuries and, and chronic pain. Like there's a lot you can do with ketamine. I don't know as much about that as I do psilocybin, but I know there's a lot of research that supports for depression and PTSD. Yeah. So if someone was listening to this episode and they, you know, something might have resonated with them, whether it be diabetes or Hashimoto's, thyroid issues, weight loss, anything like that, how can they find you and how can they maybe get in with ProFit? Yeah. So my Instagram is Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y underscore Kaler, K-O-E-H-L-E-R. And in my bio on Instagram, they can schedule a free consult. So I offer free consults to anyone coming in. And on that call, we just kind of go over their symptoms, their goals, what they're looking to achieve. And then I usually suggest a lab test for them kind of to get them started and figure out what's going on. That or they can find our website at profithpm.com. And they can also book a free consult on the website too. Very nice. I will link to all of those in the show notes. Awesome. Well, Kelsey, is there anything else you want to go over? No, I think we covered a lot. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, it's been uh, it's almost like drinking out of a fire hose sometimes, but uh, yeah. I think it's really valuable and important information that you're not just going to get from your average doctor. So I th thank you yeah. for coming on and sharing that with people, and we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, and it's a pleasure.